Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast, episode 78 at IndieTravelPodcast.com. Today we're doing an interview with James, who's a backpacker who's been working at Rue Gully. And who also happens to be our flatmate here in Perth. Yeah, Rue Gully is... It's a kangaroo sanctuary. Uh-huh. Well, it's really, it's a sanctuary for animals, but they have mostly kangaroos, which you'll hear about during the interview. Well, it's been a really lazy Saturday morning for us. We've had a big brunch, and the Red Bull Air Race is on this afternoon. We're going to go down to the Perth waterfront to see it. But at the moment, we're watching planes fly in formation from the balcony. Yeah, it's great. I mean, unfortunately, we're looking out over Perth City, so all of their buildings are between us and the river. But we can still see some of the, the planes flying in amongst the, behind the behind the buildings. And also earlier, we saw some uh, skydivers skydiving with parachutes and great big flags. One of them was an Australian flag, and one of them said Perth, and it looked really cool. Well, our October competition has drawn to a close, so thanks to Global Bag Tags at globalbagtags.com for giving us 10 packs to give away. And uh, also thanks to me for writing Travelling Europe, and we've got five copies of that to give away. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Yeah, well, Travelling Europe <laughs> Talk is... about patting yourself on the back. <laughs> Hang on. That was me patting Craig on the back so he didn't thanks. have to do it for himself. That was much more of a slap. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, winners will be contacted by email this week. Um, and the trick for this was joining our email newsletter. Now, the newsletter is going to be coming out on Monday, so yeah. you can keep an eye out for that. And join the mailing list so you can be entered into future competitions. That's right. Um... As you might have guessed, my uh, first book as an e-book and audio book's coming out next week. It's called Travelling Europe, and it's about... Travelling in, wait for it, Europe. They never would have guessed that. Oh, well, we'd better uh, be quiet and get on with this interview. Yep. I'm speaking with James, who is my flatmate. Before we get started, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? Uh, Right, well, my name is James Dunbar. Uh, I've lived the last 12 years of my life in Scotland, um, but I'm originally from the United States. Um, I immigrated to Scotland when I was was wee uh, for some education. Um, And, uh, yeah, basically I've been travelling around the world with my girlfriend, Jessica, for about the last... uh, since January, and it's November now, so there you go. Um, Oh, happy Halloween, everyone. Incidentally, it's Halloween today. Um, Being an American, that's important. Yeah, it is, actually. They do not give... Can I swear? No. No, okay. They don't really care about Halloween down here in Australia, which is weird for me. Like, they really don't. They really... In America, it's a big deal. England, slightly less of a big deal. And here, they just just not even mentioned. No one said anything. Completely over our heads. Yeah. 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 Either way. um, But we do have a lot of American listeners, so... You yeah, and the, well, with there you go. Don't come to Australia in October. That's my advice for you. Um, but yeah, right, what do I do? Um, uh, for the most part, I'm a scientist. I'm a zoologist. I studied environmental and, evolu- evolu- environmental and evolutionary biology at the University of Glasgow, uh, where I met my girlfriend who I'm traveling with, Jessica. Um, I specialize in neotropical ants, and I uh, right now I'm writing a paper on the behavioral ecology of the western grey kangaroo. Uh, and to supplement my income, I work in a call center. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> About working in a call center? Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Smile and nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a job. Pays the bills. Well, you've been traveling for a year. Yeah, there. What's yeah. the most interesting thing you've, you've seen or done? Or what's the coolest place you've been? Um, 
the coolest place we've been that's kind of a hard question because there have been some very cool moments uh, I'm actually I've just like had a had a reminder just there one of the first places we went was Thailand we went Thailand we went Hong Kong Thailand Australia incidentally if anyone out here has not been to Hong Kong I can strongly advise it it wasn't even on our itinerary we just went there because that's where the flights the cheapest flights were and and we loved it and we really wished we could stay for longer we really wish we had more money to spend because it is really something else it's a really interesting place and um, uh, so oh uh, yeah Hong Kong was nice but uh, one of the other first place we stayed we went, uh, we went and stayed in Thailand um, and we stayed on this island I can't remember what it was called um, but uh, Koh something or other and, and uh, we stayed in this uh, in, in this tiny little resort and it was the well it wasn't really a resort it was just sort of a collection of huts on the beach and and you know every day we just go out and hang on on this white sand beach and there's at most 30 people and there's like half a mile of beach and it's really lovely and, and but one day Jessica and I were wading through the shallows and and we were just sort of standing around talking we heard this rushing noise behind us and and you know we all both immediately turn around and just out of the water this entire school of flying fish Ooh. uh just flies out right in our direction and you know they take a couple of dives at it and so they're you know, dipping in and out and all sort of in unison and it was right through where we were standing. And so it was just like, oh, that was incredible. Wow, that was the most amazing thing. I totally didn't expect that. And that, I'd say, was probably right now off the top of my head the, the, the coolest single event that has happened since I've been away traveling. And we, we left the water after that because generally when flying fish fly, they're flying away from something. Um, so <laughs> we, that we would thought, be a good time to leave. Yeah, so it's like we thought, okay, that was nice. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go sit on the beach for a bit. Please make sure we continue to enjoy this. Mm, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, one question we ask everyone is, what's one luxury you can't live without? It'd have to be. I don't know if it'd be a luxury. My dressing gown. I bring my <laughs> dressing gown everywhere I go. Um, this is uh, something I've I've learned that there's always going to be a time and a place when I think, oh God, I really wish I had my dressing gown. I actually started the first time I brought it aboard was when I was uh, doing my research for my honors project in South America, and you know I was staying out on a, in a in a in 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 the jungle in this in this uh, sort of ecotourism lodge, and it was very sort of basic accommodation. You slept on the mattress under this mosquito net, and it was very it was nice. I mean, compared to what other some people are doing, camping in the middle of the rainforest and pulling parasites out of their skin. I mean, we did that as well, but it was more pleasant because we had, like, showers and and, and, and toilets and things like that. No running water, mind. It was just water pumped from the Mm -hmm. nearby lake. Um, And, like, I, you know, knew that having a dressing gown would be a really useful thing to have. I can strongly suggest all of you, if you don't have, like, one of the thick, towel-y ones, get, you know, bring your dressing gown with you. You will find that you will always have a time and a place where you need it. Do you have slippers and a pipe as well? I don't have slippers and a pipe, no, but... um, I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, tell me, what brought you to Australia then? Uh, never really, never been. Uh, we did a very sort of uh, kind of done before. I don't know. It was uh, I, I, maybe maybe unimaginative uh, sort of tourist route Thailand then Australia, uh, and we're going to the Western United States next via Fiji where we hopefully will be spending Christmas, um, nice. which is nice. One of the main reasons we're talking to you today is about your work on a kangaroo sanctuary. Yeah. Which sounds pretty cool. Why don't you tell me about the sanctuary? Uh, basically, the sanctuary is called Rugali Wildlife Sanctuary, www.rugali.com. It's uh, 
really it was an odd circumstance which brought us there originally we were we were just going to be in australia for a couple of months three months at most and jessica hadn't really done much on the east coast and that's apparently that's where like everything's happening um so we were only going to come by to the west coast for a very brief stop off very brief two week stop off and then like straight over to melbourne and just to live it up there a bit but what ended up happening was we got in um and Jess went off to Rugali to see uh, the person who runs it. Now, Jess volunteered there. She found out about it on the internet, and she volunteered there back in 2003. And she, you know, just contacted Carol, the woman who owns it. It was like, Carol, can I come and see you? Can I come and see what this is all about? Or see how you're doing, sorry, and, you know, maybe look after, maybe help you out with some of the things, look after some of the animals and all that. And Carol was like, yeah, actually, I really need some volunteers now. And you, I know you, I know you're reliable. You did a really good job last time, so come on, you know, the door's open for you, and Jesse turned up, and she meant to be there for a week, and she's like, James, kind of kind of want to stay a bit longer, and, you know, I've mentioned to Carol that you also have a background in the environmental sciences, which is not necessary to volunteer at Rugali, incidentally. Well, her exact words were, um, get, get your arse over here. <laughs> um, she sounds like a Chirazi. She She's not, she's from Yorkshire. <laughs> she's very earthy uh, if any of your listeners ever volunteer at Rugali Wildlife Sanctuary or even visit Rugali Wildlife Sanctuary you will you will get the Carol Lander experience and you'll sort of <laughs> you'll understand that uh, and so yeah we were meant to be here for two weeks and then Jess calls me and I want to stay a bit longer and I was like okay that's fine I really wanted to go out and do a bit of work with animals because it's um, just something I like doing and uh, so we uh, I got the Got the train and the subsequent bus out to Boyup Brook, uh, which is where it is, like right out in the middle of nowhere in Western Australia. And, uh, and basically, we really liked it. And so we spent, I suppose, spending two weeks. We spent about over two months there the wow. first time. And then we left the country to go to Christchurch just to get working visas so that we could come back to the country and spend another two and a half months there. Joys um, of bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. Well, in New Zealand, you don't have to leave the country to get a working holiday visa, and you can extend it while you're there. Australia, you actually have to be out outside of the borders. There are so, many yeah. reasons why New Zealand is good. Yeah, there are. There are a lot of reasons why New Zealand is good. That's another thing I can suggest to our listeners. Go to New Zealand. It's I nice. would completely agree with you. Mm. <laughs> And so, yeah, and then we, uh, yeah, so it really was just Jess met her back in 2003. Uh, we were planning on just saying hi, and we ended up staying for almost six months. And what sort of work were you doing then? Um, the work is uh, very sort of, uh, it, it's, um, it's, 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 it's fulfilling. Uh, I want to say it's, like, easy, but it's not necessarily as easy once you sort of get into the river. But you basically are just looking after the animals and for the most part animals will look after themselves all you have to do is feed them and clean up after them um the work that you have to do is entirely dependent on how many joeys you've got there but really what we were just doing is feeding the animals um there uh, right now where when i was uh, working there there were two kookaburras which i called jewel and ethan um there were two magpies though one of them died while i was there but it was mm. very old um so it was kind of to be expected uh two elegant parrots um um, two tawny frogmouths, um, uh, two western brush wall brush tail wallabies. Though one of them died um, while I was there, um, and about oh a woolly, which is a beetong, which is a small nocturnal, um, small nocturnal marsupial, um, and about fifty odd kangaroos. Kangaroos make up the vast majority of things. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you do is you 
as I said, all you really do is you feed them and, and you clean up after them. And if they get sick, you sort of treat them, uh, take them to the vet to be treated. Um, yeah, but as I said, uh, it's it, the animals really pretty much pretty much look after themselves. Though some of them have take a lot more looking after than others. Uh, for instance, if you go during Joey season, which is September, you'll you know there is every chance that you know you'll have nothing to do for a while. If there's no joeys, then you know two tiny babies will get brought in in the space of a day, and then suddenly you'll have to feed them every four hours and you know do the various things that they need, mm. um, keeping them warm, keeping them uh, close. Joey baby kangaroos don't like being away from you know their mothers obviously they live in pouches so they've got very sort of different biology than um than baby placental mammals and so yeah you really just have to take care of the animals and as i said it really just involves feeding and cleaning and stuff like that you know um, a a month there feels like a week Mm -hmm. because it's a very enjoyable experience very very peaceful and very very beautiful how many volunteers do they tend to be at one time um Again, it depends. Uh, right now, they're really upping the ante. Um, she has just got a deal with the University of Plymouth in the United Kingdom. Uh, a lot of people are going over there to do research for their dissertations. Um, so for a while, it was just Jess and I. Uh, and when we first got there, it was Jess, me, and this other young man called Andy, who was, uh, who was a good laugh. Um, and then, you know, it was only Jess and I for about a week, and then this other, we were joined by someone else. Um, the most volunteers I've ever had there at any given point in time was myself, Jess, four girls, so uh, six of us. Okay. Um, though, kind of, that was the low season. High season is September onwards because that's when British people are at university, and you can get anywhere up to eight. Though, mm, this is the first time there's really been that many, and it's everyone just lives in the house, mm-hmm. and there's not actually that much room. So, really, the maximum amount of people that'll be there is about six. Okay. Uh, but if you if you're quite lucky, it'll just be you and Carol, um, or you and your partner and Carol. Okay. Now you mentioned something earlier about the uh, Rue Gully Diaries. What are they? Okay, this uh, the Rue Gully Diaries. Right. Uh, it was actually a TV show. Um, it was made into a, a TV show back in two thousand two, two thousand and three. Uh, and you can jump on YouTube and just type in Rugali and you'll see you'll see some of the Rugali diaries. And the TV show is really just all about Carol sort of looking after you know the animals and things like that. And you know it was actually kind of about how she fell into becoming an an- running an animal sanctuary. She never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. She worked in the ambulance service for a number of years, and so she's quite compassionate. Um, and she's an enormous amount of empathy. Um, and so she, she, you know, took in sick animals every now and then. And then she was eventually told by the government that they had her property listed as an animal sanctuary. And then suddenly she was looking after animals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, 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 that was all documented in a TV show called The Rue Gully Diaries. But as they were filming... Um, what it eventually turned into, quite tragically, was instead of the sort of fly-on-the-wall documentary about an animal sanctuary, it ended up documenting the collapse of a 34-year-long marriage. Mm. Um, because her husband, Roy, ended up running off with a Dutch volunteer half his oh, age. No. Um, and that was all documented. Watch the TV show and you'll, you know, you'll see it. Um, and 
basically, yeah, that's that was that was what the Rugali Diaries were. It's, like honestly, the the story surrounding that place you could not make up. Um, it is a very very it was, it was steeped in drama. Yeah. Um, as uh, as I imagine most things in life are once you start looking a bit closer. So yeah, the Rugali Diaries. Mm-hmm. So let's look a little bit about your experience. Obviously, you were there for quite a while. Did you have any favourites among the animals? I like the kookaburras a lot. Um, their kookaburras are very charming animals. Um, particularly the one I called Joel. Uh, I named them after the Coen brothers because I've just seen No Country for Old Men. Okay. Uh, and the one I called Joel um, uh, was was a very nice sort of character. Um, I like. I just sort of like the birds. The magpies were nice as well. Um, uh, I like the way they look at you. They're sort of glazed over suspicion that they've got in their eyes so um well talk about the budget like how much does it cost to stay there and how how did your daily budget go it is 20 dollars a day per person mm-hmm. um which covers food and accommodation which is and you you have to pay for your own personal luxuries like sweets alcohol soft drinks that sort of stuff you have to pay for yourself cigarettes um but uh the 20 dollars covers food and accommodation which is a bargain um, and uh, it, it was it was a very it really was actually a lifesaver because we were really running out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we that it's a it's a really good deal. Um, you can eat what you want when you want. Um, you're staying in a house. You really don't feel at all like you're imposing anything. It's very it's very it's just very nice. It's a very very comfortable sort of experience and place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result, it's actually getting quite tricky to get places there now. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to volunteer, I strongly suggest you email Carol. It's kind of on a first come, first serve basis, but as far as I know, she's booked up for years to come. Wow! Um, but as I said, you know, there's there's high seasons and low seasons. If you go during a low season, uh, you're you're more likely to, mm-hmm. to, to to get a place. Or I mean, just go and visit. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a tourist attraction as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. could just go, just go and go down to Boyupbrook and and drop by. Okay, and what advice would you give someone who wants to go there? Uh, email Carol. Uh, don't be afraid of hard work. Uh, don't be afraid of getting dirty, because um, you are you are looking after wild animals and they, you know, can be dirty. They can be <laughs> pretty dirty. <laughs> um, it, and just try and enjoy yourself. Um, try and relax. It is a very relaxed sort of place. All right, cheers for that. Thank you. Thanks. Cool. Well, thanks again, James, for coming on the show. Yeah, it was great. Remember, if you're booking hostels, then head by IndieTravelPodcast.com first and book through Hostel Bookers using the little widget on the sidebar. Yeah, we really appreciate it if you do this because it doesn't cost you any extra and it costs you maybe, I don't know, like one extra second in time to go to us first. And we actually get a bit of commission from it, so... We really like it if you do that. Yeah, and if you're visiting a hostel, feel free to click through Indie Travel Podcast into Hostel Bookers uh, so we can get the commission from every other person in the hostel. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, all good. But thanks so much to the people that have been doing that because it does give us a little bit of pocket money which we use to pay the bandwidth and hosting costs. Yeah, it keeps Indie Travel Podcast alive. It's a beautiful thought. (laughs) (laughs) 
Just don't imagine it in a hospital bed or anything. <laughs> yeah. It keeps Indie Travel Podcast in coffee, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, don't forget to drop by the site and check out the articles page. The most recent article at the moment is by Jessica Spaulding from yearinacar.com, and she's talking about using Google Maps. Yeah, it's quite a useful function. I mean, I haven't seen it used like that before. No, but it looks really useful, and I think we should probably start doing it too. You reckon? Maybe. Okay. We've got Linda a new laptop this week. Well, hopefully, hopefully. it's going to be delivered this week. We've now that ordered we've one. Paid for it. We ordered that. We ordered it, and the price is in Australian dollars. But we paid for it on PayPal using US dollars. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Because the Australian dollar is really crap at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So it's not that good to be earning in it. But it was nice to pay two hundred and sixty-five American dollars for a brand new laptop. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it'll actually arrive sometime in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, and the company won't go bust taking our money with it. But anyway, there's a new poll on IndieTravelPodcast.com, and it's about what do you want to hear more of. Um, We really value your input, because we're putting the show together for... For you. For you, the people (laughs) listening. And... um, Yeah, so what do you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more interviews with experts, more interviews with travellers? Do you want to hear more stories? Everyone says that, but no one really listens to the story episodes. Um, Well, no, we always talk crap. We always tell stories. (laughs) I probably shouldn't have said that. No, probably not. (laughs) We always tell stories, though, every single episode. No, so what do you want to hear more of? Um, There'll be a poll in the sidebar, and you can let us know, and you can also add answers in. So, So, you know, if there's something you really, really want to hear and it's not mentioned, then you just add it on, and maybe everyone else wants to, and they can click on it too. Yeah. So thanks for listening. One couple who are listening are Chris and Marta, and Chris and Marta have just started blogging at atravelaroundtheworld.blogspot.com, And they seem to be an Italian couple. They're definitely blogging in English and in Italian. And they've been living in London, and they've got stuck in the London expat lifestyle, (laughs) like everyone else. And they're finally doing it. And they've got a really cool itinerary planned out. So what I'm enjoying is looking at them planning their around the world. At the moment, they're blogging about looking at insurance, getting jabs... Um, their visas and how they're going applying for them. So it seems like a really practical way of following people. Yeah, it sounds Um, good. They're not just blogging the trip. They're blogging the prep for the trip, which I really like, and I'm looking forward to uh, following them through 2009. So, Well, I think that's about us for this week. Yeah, I think so. So until next week, travel well.